the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. So, how's your 2020 going so far? I mean, the world has gone insane. But how are we, the church, supposed to respond? How is Jesus calling us to be his peace? What if God was calling us to lay down our rights to take up his banner as peacemakers? Which will probably change the way you interact with your friends and enemies. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But this is a listener-supported radio ministry, so if you can bless us today, please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part two of the message called A Call for Peacemakers. Pastor Sean has a word for you in this unique season. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, on that trip, one of the people we got to talk to, a really neat lady, she was actually a professor, a university professor, and she was talking to me about how much Estonians, because Estonia was different. Estonia was the last nation to come under Soviet rule. They held out the longest. They were, one of the la- they were the last nation. So they were different than some of the others. And you could see it. There were people, older people there, who still remembered free Estonia. And it was a very unique place. They were not as far gone as far as you could see. The old Estonian architecture, which is beautiful, that kind of Eastern European architecture, which was gorgeous. And then you see the Soviet block buildings. And you could just see that the contrast was real obvious in Estonia. And so this lady told me of how much Estonians loved Ronald Reagan. And they did. They absolutely loved him because Reagan was the one, you remember, who stood up to the Soviets and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And he had the Star Wars thing, which the Soviets were freaked out about, and they had to try to keep up with, and they couldn't afford it. And it finally just ground their whole machinery to where they just couldn't keep up. And they saw Ronald Reagan as a major hero of the Estonian people. And she told me, true story, she said, there are all kinds of little Estonian boys named Ronald or Ronnie. (laughs) Little Ronnie with his long Eastern European last name. Now, understand... She then proceeds to say how terrible what's happening with Iraq is, how bad George Bush is, and what a crazy man he is, and all these things about Iraq. And I'm listening, and I listen the whole time, and it's a great conversation. And at the end, I say, well, you know, I think there are some people who just wonder if maybe someday there will be a bunch of little Iraqi kids named George. And she looked at me. (laughs) It had never occurred to her to think of it that way. See, we all love the person who stands up to our dictator, our oppressor. We're not sure we're, we're, we care. We don't want to support that person who stands up to someone else's dictator. They saw Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was called a warmonger by many people in the world because of standing up to the Soviet Union. Not in Estonia and not in most of Eastern Europe. Definitely not in East Berlin because 
Nobody likes the dictator who stands up to someone else, but we all love the dictator. Uh, we, we all love the, the person who stands up to our dictator, who stands with the person who's, who's oppressing us. And that was just one of those things that it was, and, and she kind of looked at that and just thought, wow, I, I hadn't thought of it like that. And, you know, you can argue the politics, the pros, the cons, whatever. The fact is they loved that Ronald Reagan said, I'm drawing a line here and no more. And they were grateful. See, peacemakers have to sometimes go in and get their hands dirty. Being non-confrontational is great for peace lovers. Peacemakers sometimes have to be confrontational. Now, as followers of Jesus, it's different. We do it differently. We have a different approach to it. We're supposed to do it by a different set of rules because we're part of a different kingdom. But still, we don't get to sit on the sidelines and say, wow, I hope somebody does something. We're supposed to be ones who say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I want to be a peacemaker. And peacemakers have to be proactive, have to be willing, sometimes be confrontational. Peacemakers are on a mission. Isaiah 52, 7, look what it says. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim what? Who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. It's this idea of a message and a mission of peace. See, for us in our application, you're like, well, it's one thing, okay, national leaders, and they, they have a whole different way they're going to do that, and they have to think about military, government leaders have to think about police, and all those different things that are very complex in a society. We don't really, I, I don't have that burden. I just have to go say, what do I do? What can I do in our situation to be a voice for peace? I think there's a point where we say, we choose to say, I'm going to be an ambassador for peace. I'm going to be a peacemaker in our current scenario, our current situation. How do we do that? Well, I think we look for ways to initiate peace. I think every one of us, we could do this tomorrow. We could do this today if we wanted to. We could initiate intentional relationships with someone who is different than I am, someone who looks different than I am. I think, I think we could do that And we could choose to have relationships with people who aren't in my, maybe my normal circle because I just hadn't thought about it. And we could just say, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with someone who looks different than me. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be friends with. And we're going to have these conversations. That is something that I think we can do. That would be huge because here's the problem. So many of us, like I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again, all we know of people of different cultures, different races, different colors, all we know is what the media tells us. And the media is lying. I'll tell you what. As a peacemaker, I want media reform. That's a reform I'd love to see. I'd love to see media reform because the problem is I believe this. The media is invested in discord. That's where they get clicks. That's where they sell advertising. That's where they make money. It's just not great news. Nothing happened today. Everyone was at peace. Have a nice day. Who's reading that? So there is an investment in stoking. There are some who are more nefarious maybe and who are really interested in cultural upheaval. But I think a lot just like keep keep this going. This is great. Our viewership's going through the roof. And so much dishonest stuff. It's almost like how do I know something is not true? It was the headline. That's how I know it's not true. 
And that might, I, I, you know, I'm, obviously that's a little much, but a lot sometimes. I mean, I'm getting tired of reading a headline, boom, and then you read down the article, and down, way down buried in the article, if it's there at all, is the real scenario. Oh, okay. It's like you're intentionally trying to mis- mislead people. And the problem is it has real ramifications, and people are really getting hurt by it. And this is something that, that we just got to not get our information from the movies, from TV, from media, from social media. I know Twitter is a totally reliable source of information, folks. And I hate to pull that from you. But man, we would do so well to just go say, I'm going to go hang out with someone who is different than me. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. And then I'm going to let them ask questions of me. We're just going to be friends. Because see, what that does is that changes people's hearts. Something powerful we can all do. See, we're not called to be peace lovers. We're called to be peacemakers. Second thing, peacemakers know where peace comes from. Peacemakers know where peace comes from. See, the problem is sin, period. Do you understand that? We understand that, right? It is sin. I know we talk about systemic. I don't believe that's the real problem. I think it is sin-stemic. I said it last week. I'll say it again. It is sin-stemic. I could build the most perfect system. We could tear the whole thing down and build the perfect system to where every person, right, left, black, white, we all just look at it and go, it's the perfect system. And we just shine as we look at it, tears in our eyes. And it wouldn't work because sinful people are the problem. Sinful people are the problem. It, it really is. And as I've been listening, been reading and listening and talking to people of color, you, you stop and listen. Yes, some of their issues are with actual encounters with police, but none of, I have not yet personally heard anyone who says yes and then i went and turns out the law there says or the police manual says you should treat black people this way you should treat white people this way it's not in the manual what it is is a person on the ground bringing their fears biases anger whatever into a situation and treating someone in a way that's wrong it's not like the manuals are saying you should do this so when we say systemic, it's one of those things where, where you, and I did some reading on systemic. It's hard to find any, when I look for examples of systemic, because honestly, systemic is kind of easy to fix. When you see it, you can say, okay, let's change that. Let's change that issue. Let's fix it. And, and I'm sure there are some that continue to need to be fixed, but many have been. The problem is it's still sinful, broken people carrying out the system. And some of it is like, man, what do you do? What do you do when someone is just afraid of someone whose color is different than theirs? And then so they treat someone wrong, or so they call the police, or, they've got to, you know, or they uh, confront someone with a gun, when it's just like, dude, just answer the door and say hi. You know, it's a salesman. Tell him no thank you and leave. How, how, do, you, how, how do you fix that with a system? See, the biggest issue is it's sin-stemic. It's the sin nature. And the scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and folks, you need to understand something. This idea that, that prejudice, racism, bias, whatever you want to say, is, is all, o- only done by one group of people and everybody else is absolutely free of that, that's ridiculous. We are people. And we have different things, ways we do it, different things we do. But we all, 
in that sin nature will try to puff up, take care of number one, pick me up, put me up on a higher pedestal, pride, flesh, and we'll use whatever weird means to try to put someone else down so in a perverse way I feel like I'm better. That's sin. And any one of us are capable of it. The minute we say we're not, we are most susceptible. The, the answer is Jesus. Now let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this special message called A Call for Peacemakers, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help other families like yours. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And another way to bless the ministry and yourself is to pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, A Call for Peacemakers. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Look what it says. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself. Look, all things on earth, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? Peace through his blood shed on the cross. The cross made it possible for all of us to be forgiven, for us to be filled with this spirit, for us to really see people who maybe look a little different from us on the outside, but recognize that's my brother, that's my sister. We're family. That's what the Holy Spirit in us is supposed to do. Colossians 3.15, I love this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. That's what we're called to. And then what Jesus said in John 14, 27, and this is so true. We quote this as kind of a nice little phrase of Jesus. This is powerful. This is prophetic. Peace I leave with you, said Jesus. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. There's that idea again. It's not just the absence of conflict. or not what the world talks about as peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Man. Stop and think about it. Do you realize how much of our conflict and unrest is directly related to fear? Do you know how many people respond to people of different races in a, in a way that's wrong and inappropriate just because of fear? Some, something that was put into them. Something they were raised with. It might not be based on any experience even. Or maybe there were experiences, but they now bring that experience and every person who looks different than them or every person who's from this country or speaks this way or whatever, they have this fear. See, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Take the peace I'm going to give you. Peacemakers bring Jesus into the situation and Jesus brings peace. 
it works great. The way he does that, you remember how he does that? Our sins are forgiven because of the cross. We are filled with the Spirit of God. And what does the Scripture say? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, what? Peace. And all of a sudden, I am at peace. See, I have to have it in me. I have to carry it with me. And so it comes out. That's that peace Jesus is talking about, that that when when your peace will enter a situation. And if someone rejects you, rejects it, you don't lose your peace. Your peace goes with you. And you keep your peace. It's powerful. The peace he gives is not as the world gives. We're not called to be peace lovers. We're called to be peacemakers. Last thing, peacemaking always requires self-denial. Did you know that? It always requires self-denial. See, what's the main cause of conflict? Conflict? Well, it's the fight for self-interest, which is called sin. Sin is that part of us, that flesh that says, take care of number one, I got to get my way. And that's what causes conflict. See, peacemaking always requires self-denial. If no one fought for self-interest, there would be no conflict. And see, as you read these Beatitudes we started with, they will not leave us alone when it comes to denial of self. They are all over us. As the Holy Spirit crucifies the flesh in me, I grow as a peacemaker. And it's so important to remember, peace has to begin in me before I can bring peace around me. And if the Beatitudes tell us anything, it's that peacemaking always requires laying down my rights. Powerful example of that. One of the great peacemakers, I think, in modern history is Nelson Mandela. I think he's truly, if you look at his story carefully, it is an extraordinary story of someone who was transformed and became a peacemaker. Stop and think about it. Mandela Mandela really did change a nation. He's remembered by some as a freedom fighter. He spent 27 years in prison for his anti-apartheid activities, ultimately becoming, you know the story, president of South Africa. In that, he became the symbol of the ending of apartheid. Now, as a student, he got involved early in the movement. The movement was the African National Conference. He and others advocated civil disobedience to draw attention to the unjust system of state-sponsored segregation and discrimination. After the widely publicized police massacre of 69 protesters in the township of Sharpville in 1960, Mandela helped organize a general strike, and he was part of forming a paramilitary wing of the ANC, or the African National Conference, which was called Spear of the Nation. And it was because of that involvement that organization, that Mandela was in prison for 27 years. However, when Mandela was freed, people saw a different Nelson Mandela come out of prison. Much has been written about how he changed in that time. And it's interesting to note that while not as lo- a lot has been said about it, M- Mandela was a professing believer in Jesus Christ. He had grown up in a Methodist school. He was baptized in a Methodist church. In his autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom, he talked about it and said, the church that I saw was as concerned with this world as the next. I saw that virtually all the achievements of Africans seem to have come about through the missionary work of the church. One of his famous quotes was also an expression of a deeply held Christian idea. He said, until I changed myself, I could not hope to change others. 
Many know that while he was at university, he became involved in the Student Christian Association. He taught Bible classes on Sundays in nearby villages. Many think it was his Christianity that caused him ultimately to reject some of the communist and leftist approaches and involvements with the ANC. What we do know is that the moment of his release, Mandela once again remembered the importance of this internal renewal he'd learned from his Christian faith. That had to be before any external change could happen. He said this, As I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be imprisoned. And it was that idea that made him so effective when he was released, and particularly when he became president of South Africa. He proceeded to bring the nation together through, of all things, professional sports. You may remember the movie Invictus that Clint Eastwood produced, which dramatized the whole thing. It was based on the true story of Mandela looking for some way to unify the country that had been so divided. He didn't set out to divide. He didn't set out to bash his enemies. He wanted to unify. And that seemed impossible, that anyone would ever be able to bridge that divide. When he rallied both blacks and whites to support the Springbok rugby team. Springbok is a, like an antelope, and it's their logo. This became an incredible symbol. And you're, you're like, well, it's just entertainment. It's sports. What, what's the big deal? Well, the Springbok team was a strong symbol of white authority during the years of apartheid. It was loathed by black South Africans. They couldn't believe it. In fact, their favorite rugby team was whoever was playing Springbok. Kind of like me with the Green Bay Packers. When the underdog Springbok team reached the finals of the World Cup against New Zealand, we can't really relate to this, but it was a dramatic and heart-stopping moment when Mandela walked out onto the field wearing the green Springbok rugby shirt and a cap, and he shook the hands of the mostly white team. In the end, of course, you know the story. It was a stunning victory for South Africa, but in more ways than worry than winning the cup. Barriers spanning decades seemed to almost magically melt in an instant. And if not melt, at least they cracked. When South Africans who watched the game on TV, imagine when they heard the largely white crowd in the stadium shouting, Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. You can imagine what it was like for them to watch a black man become the leader of their nation. Watch all those white South Africans support him and get behind him. It was like a dream come true. It was all because of the way he approached change. He refused to vilify and hate his enemies. Because he said, if I don't leave my bitterness and hatred in prison, I will always be in prison. It wasn't easy. Many of his peers and supporters were shocked and even angered when he chose to use the Springbok team as his symbol. But it turned out to be a stroke of genius. People ask, why a sports team? What difference does it make? Well, it made a lot of difference. It became the symbol of him declaring, we are not going to hate our enemies, which one would argue they had every right to do. But they didn't. Because of that, it changed the face of South Africa far more quickly than anyone would have ever hoped or imagined cool to hear from team captain, white team captain, Francois Pinar. He recalled their exchange when Mandela presented him the championship trophy. He said, Mandela came to me and said, thank you for what you've done for South, African, for South Africa. I said to him, 
no Madiba. Nadiba was a tribal title of honor and respect and even intimacy. He said, no, Madiba, you've got it wrong. Thank you for what you've done for South Africa. And Pinar says, I felt like hugging him. It's no wonder Mandela was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. He changed a nation by refusing to hate. And what a powerful and inspiring illustration of a proactive peacemaker. See, we're not called to be peace lovers. We're called to be peacemakers. I think we should take the challenge on our local level, in our circle, to just say, I'm not going to get caught up in the politics. I'm not going to foster hate. I'm going to spend time with people who maybe think differently or look differently on some of these issues, and I'm just going to love people. And I'm going to bring my peace, the peace of Jesus Christ, into those relationships, into those settings. I love prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. He talked about peace. He said, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Listen. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. That we may not seek to be under so much to be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message called A Call for Peacemakers, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback on our Contact Us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to bless you and others. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 490 5262 as reaching for real life radio is a service of river city community church we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.